Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. I called my dog my son's name last night, but I can remember supercalifragilisticexpialidocious backwards. I'm not sure if there is anything more humbling in this world (laughs) than when your children are better at something than you are. You'd like to think that since you're the grown-up, you have the world figured out and you need to teach them how to navigate it? Yes. But then your name is Dr. Heidi Warner. (laughs) She's even a doctor. She is a doctor. And she just posted this on Facebook that she's chilling on the floor with her son, Benjamin. They're building Legos and Benjamin looks over at her. He tells her that uh, her Lego build is chunky. Chunky. (laughs) That's the word he used. It's chunky. Mama. Your Lego build is chunky. But then he said, it's okay, Mom. Yeah, it's okay. Because most inexperienced builders have that problem. End quote. She was talked down to about Lego construction by her child. (laughs) It's one of the most famous accounts in the Bible where Jesus has died, he's been buried, and then all of a sudden he appears to some of his disciples again. And his good buddy Thomas Mm. looks at Jesus and says, I I don't know. I'm not ready to believe it. And Jesus invites him to come and feel the scars in his hands. Jesus has conquered death. He got his heart beating. He got his lungs breathing again. But he kept his scars. Oh, my goodness. I never thought of that. He did. I mean, the Bible doesn't really say why he chose that. But at least in that moment, it was his way to look at Thomas and say, yeah, this really happened. These are my badges of victory over death. Come on and feel them because the kingdom's coming. We are not brain surgeons. No. And we didn't stay at Holiday Inns last night. But we do know this about the brain. For some reason, you can remember something from a long time ago. But you can't remember what you had for lunch yesterday. I mean, am I the only person that experiences that? No, it's like if it just happened, not going to stick. Can't remember. But if it goes way back into my childhood, I am never getting rid of that. I can remember when I was about uh, nine years old. I'm 59 years old right now. and My dad owned the dry cleaners and he had a safe. And I still remember the combination of that safe. What was it? It was 90-25-95-10. Very, very right. good. So now I'm just going to go around to some dry cleaners. <laughs> when I find a safe, I'm going to crack the treasure of the dry cleaner. There you go. It was called Butch's Cleaners, and it was in Creston, Iowa. All cool. right. My dad and I were really close. He just passed away last November, so mm. I miss him terribly, but I'll see him again. And you'll still know the safe combination. You'll tell him the combination. I hope so. <laughs> It is kind of amazing how our brain works. I'm fascinated by it. Do you think it has to do with like synapses and pathways in your brain? Sure. The number of times you use something. I mean, because I mean, when my son told me he couldn't retrace his steps from yesterday to find his keys because he couldn't remember yesterday. I couldn't really fault him because I sometimes don't remember yesterday. So we just want you to finish the sentence for us. I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I can remember this. I can remember... Everything that's on the Big Mac from the 1970s. Nice. <laughs> oh, you know that I'm not going to let yeah. you go. You got to prove just it. Just say that. You have to prove it. Sure, I'll prove it. All right, go ahead. It's two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickled onions on a sesame seed bun. Woo woo! That's impressive. I'm loving Very it. Very well done. Short term memory is an issue. 
But we can always remember the stuff from a long time ago. Yeah, what's that thing you can remember, Anne? Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Even though the sound of this is something quite atrocious. If you say it loud enough, you'll always sound precocious. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. You guys were mostly in sync. And terribly off. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> okay, so did you listen to it on a vinyl record? Um, yes. Okay, me too. Me too. It's okay. Because at one point of that song on the record, they have a character say that word backwards. Yes! I've forgotten about that. <laughs> Docious Aliaspiastic Fragicala Rufus. Wow! Hello! I called my dog my son's name last night, but I can remember supercalifragilisticexpialidocious backwards. Dr. Heidi, recently we had an uplifting thought here on uh, Mornings with Taylor and Jen, and it said that as believers, we should be looking forward to our future with excitement because God works everything out for his good. Yes. Easy to read off a piece of paper, hard to do because right now... Our circumstances aren't very hopeful. They're not. Hope is so hard to find. And I've been clinging to that verse in First Peter where it talks about we are saved to a living hope mm. in Jesus Christ. And it's one of those moments where you have to let your theology shape how you see your circumstances and not your circumstances shape how you see God. We have to fight to remember that, that our hope is not that hard things don't happen, but that Jesus is with us when hard things do happen. We have to fight to remember that our hope is not that he will help us avoid suffering, but that our suffering is not wasted. We have to fight to remember that we were not saved so we can avoid pain, but that his presence will match the depth of our pain when we are in it. So wait a minute, do I hear you saying that God is going to do something with everything that we've learned in 2020? He is. <laughs> it's not a throwaway year. It's not a throwaway year. But the, the biggest thing, like, and sometimes we look horizontally, we look horizontally for hope. Okay, the good that God is going to work is going to help me encourage someone else. The good that God is doing in this is to help me get a better job in the future. And we look horizontally into our circumstances for that good to play out. And sometimes that happens. But sometimes the most profound good that God brings out of it is a deeper awareness of who he is. Mm. And a deeper awareness of his presence, because when he strips away everything that we have put our hope in up until this point, then we are left with just him. And when we have a deeper awareness of who he is, I think Taylor and I can both attest after coming off of years of a lot of suffering, you get peace. I wouldn't trade the peace that I have in the Lord after two solid years of really, really bad struggles for anything That peace is more valuable than anything horizontal. And when I sit with people who are in the middle of that suffering, and when we talk about and we talk about how hard it is, it is so hard. And it's so hard for you right now. But we know that on the other side, there's a deeper sense of God's presence and a deeper sense of hope that that he is enough, even when this world is not. You just heard our friend, Dr. Heidi Warner with some incredible wisdom. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the things that, that comes out of her mouth is just is so smart. Mm-hmm. But even Dr. Heidi gets called out by her kid, <laughs> who told her that her recent Lego design was chunky. And that's okay, Mama. That's often done by inexperienced Lego builders, Woo! says Ben, who is, I believe, all of eight Got years old. Got tucked down to by a third grader. But sometimes that happens. You know, our kids are better at things. Oh, yeah. I remember driving in the car once with my daughter 
She was in the front seat, so she must have been big enough at, at that point to be in the front seat with me. And we're driving down the road, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, look! Oh, look, look, look at the little squirrel! And and it was really kind of funny because he was standing up alongside the road, and it and it just looked like he was like standing there at attention as just all these cars were driving watching by. Watching the cars, little, waiting for his moment. Yeah, that's kind of what it was. It was like he was yeah. waiting across the road. And I was like, look at that squirrel! And my daughter peers out, and she looks, and she's like, what squirrel? And I'm like, that one right up there, do you see it? And he's coming right there. And she looked at me. She goes, Mom, that's a wooden post. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. And she's like, it's okay, Mama. She's like, you can't see because your eyes are old. My eyes are young and strong, so oh! I can see better. Whoa. You're supposed to be the grown-up. You're supposed to be better, more skilled, more experienced, better looking. <laughs> And yet, there's this one thing that when you're both doing it, your child can run circles around you. Oh, it's so embarrassing. Here's the problem when your mother listens to you on the radio. <laughs> Hi, Jackie. She she just has pictures of things that I did as a child ready to send to me to remind me of stuff. I love it when all of a sudden I look over and I see Taylor looking at his phone smiling because I know it's either his mom or his dad have just texted about something that he's just said. I was apparently just like, I did not get what I was supposed to do with Mother's Day projects because I have a history of doing things that like backhandedly insult my mom. Uh, this one, uh, I was supposed to complete the sentence my mom is best at. Mm-hmm. A- a complete with a picture. Complete with a picture. Uh, I wrote my mom is best at losing at Nintendo. <laughs> and, and there's literally a picture of me sitting on the floor with a controller. My mom is lounging on a couch. <laughs> And there's a little speech bubble coming out of her mouth, and she just says, nuts. Sometimes, just sometimes, you find exactly what you need on Facebook. I know, I know. It's crazy. You can waste a lot of time on Facebook, but this, I promise, this will not be a waste of your time. This is something that we found, and we're going to share it with you, and I think you're going to say thank you. Hello everyone. Today I'm going to sing Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things above will No need to go on Facebook today. We have extracted the good from it for you and placed it on Life 107.1. When I was growing up, my dad used to call me Pumpkinhead. Oh, yeah. Pumpkinhead. Okay, so why is your response that? Why is your so? Oh, yeah, Pumpkinhead. It's just, I feel like Pumpkin is just one of, you know, you call people Pumpkin. And, and... Then I got to thinking about it. I remember my dad calling me Pumpkinhead, and I uh-huh. know that it was in term of endearment. Why? <laughs> why are pumpkins endearing? Well, why? Why did 
why did my dad call me Pumpkinhead? I reached out to my sister and she's like, yeah, I remember him calling me yeah. that. I asked another friend and my friend was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember my, my mom and dad did either calling me Pumpkin. People only want to see you in the fall? Is yeah. that it? <laughs> Could be. But I'm like, is Pumpkinhead, is that really an endearment and why? Here's what I would say. If you think about all the other gourds... <laughs> Pumpkin is probably the best one to be called. You little zucchini head, yeah. you. You're not going to call someone, hey, squash. The weather's turned again, and we're thinking all things fall. And I am reminded that when I was little, my father used to call me pumpkin head, which at the time I just took as an endearment. But now I'm thinking about it. It's kind of a weird nickname. We, we don't understand some of the, the terms of endearment that there are on the market today. Susanna has another one for us. When I was in French class in high school, they said that people called our kids Mon Petit Chou. Only it means my little cabbage. And that, I thought that was so weird. That is less endearing. We found something less than pumpkins. Yes. Oh, that's so cute. Say it again. Mon Petit Chou. Mon petit chou. It sounds so cute, and then you find out it's cabbage. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the beauty of the French language. It all sounds cute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there are some nicknames we give to our children that don't make a whole lot of sense when you really think about it. You have one of those, Judy? My daughter's name is Tessa, and we have nicknamed her since she was two, Pete. When she was a baby and wore diapers, her dad called her Inky Stinky. <laughs> when she was potty trained, she became Sweet Peak because she smelled better. <laughs> and 36 years later, we're still calling her Pete. <laughs> Pete! Interesting factoid, her significant other, his name is Peter. <laughs> Pete and Peter. <laughs> Why do you think we do it? it it's we, fun. We just... Choose weird nicknames for our kids. My dad called me Pumpkinhead. I mean, what is the thing? Why do we do this to our kids? Because you can tell Taylor and Jen about it, and we love it. I give nicknames all the time. It's just, it comes out of my mouth, stuff happens. My 15-year-old has finally drawn a line in the sand. I always call him, like, Bing or Bingaling because he's named after Chandler Bing from Friends. Right. And so recently I started, like, when I would call him for dinner instead of calling him Bingaling or Bing or something, I just started going, Ling, Ling, Ling. <laughs> and he has now decided that he's not coming unless we use his name. <laughs> Can you blame the child? I mean, really. <laughs> and I, st- I won't call his name. I just keep calling him Ling Ling, and I've got my husband doing it now, too. Oh, no. Poor child. He also has informed me, because when the school has you sign up, you write down, like, a nickname for him. Oh, mm-hmm. no. He went down to the office and petitioned to have Chan Man taken off. <laughs> So that throughout the rest of his high school career, nobody will call him Chan Man. You put that on there? I did. Oh, my word. I love it. Sarah. You, you are a phenomenal mother. Not only do our parents give us strange nicknames, sometimes they pass them along to our children. My dad is the king of nicknames. Oh, Not good. only did he have nicknames for my sister and I growing up, but he had a really great one for my daughter. It was Samantha Bob Lou, Dora Lorraine Rapunzel. <laughs> oh my. No. 
all at once every time? Well, maybe not every time, but he said it a lot. Say it again. It's Samantha Suba Blue, Dora Lorraine Rapunzel. Why? Why did he do that? I have no idea. I mean, he just really made it hard on himself. (laughs) Right. You really have to think about it. Because while I was on hold, I'm like, I don't want to mess it up. (laughs) But yeah, that's that's what he said all the time. Some things in life take two. Mm -hmm. You have to have two people to do it. Working together in tandem. Forgiveness is not one of them. Forgiveness is actually not a two-way street. And I think that's always one of those where you hear it and it's like, wait, wait a minute. There's there's two people involved at, in forgiveness. At least two people, you right? You have the forgiver and the forgivee, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's not a two-way street. I, Taylor and I were talking about this yesterday because we, we've been reading a book. I can't say his last name. How do you say his last name? Smedes. S-M-E-D-E-S. We've been reading a book by Mr. Smedes. It's a great book on forgiveness because, you know, as a child, forgiving is easy. You just, okay, I forgive you. And then you go play back in the sandbox together. As an adult, there's so much hurt involved. And God has told us we have to forgive. And so if he has to command us to do it, we know it's got to be kind of difficult. So you think, well, you know, at some point this will blow over and that person will say he's sorry to me and I'll say I'm sorry to them and everything will be okay. Well, what if that person never says they're sorry? I think that's one of the hardest ones when they never apologize, maybe don't even think they did anything wrong. Maybe don't even think about you. But you still have to find a way to forgive them. And I think that's where it's actually encouraging that forgiveness is something that you do, not something you need this other person to do. You don't have to wait Mm -hmm. for the other person. You don't have to be in stasis until they've realized what they've done to you. You can be the one that starts the process of healing yourself and forgiving. Now, honestly, I forget so much anymore because I have a brain like Swiss <laughs> cheese and the older I get, the worse it gets. Little itty bitty things, you know, that have maybe rubbed me the wrong way. Of course, I forgive and forget those. I forget my kids names sometimes. But the big hurts, the one that you have to invest a lot of time and energy into forgiving and healing You don't forget those as humans. We can't. And so this whole idea of forgive and forget, it's like, I can't do that. So I must be doing this wrong. There's a little bit of this like self-preservation thing of like, it is unsafe for me to forget that this person could do this. I I need to be able to protect myself from being hurt again and needing to forgive this person again. I think in another book, it's called Boundaries. Yeah, You have to have boundaries to protect your heart. I grew up so much hearing, you forgive and forget, you forgive and forget. God forgets our sins as far as the East is from the West. And I'm like, well, I got to forgive like that. Our friend Louis B. Smedes in his book, The Art of Forgiving, says that comes down to a complete misunderstanding of what forgiveness looks like for human beings. He says, forgiving is not tolerance. Forgivers are not sentimental fools, nor does forgiving a person mean that we invite him to get close enough to hurt us again. Hmm. When we forgive someone who is not sorry for what he has done, we do not forget and we do not intend to let it happen again. Hmm. When you boil forgiveness down to, I am going to let go of this poison in my heart of wishing the worst on this person, you can let go of that and hold on to the memory without all of the bitterness in order to keep yourself safe. I do believe they think they are impervious, immortal, 
indestructible. You're talking about teenage boys, right? I am talking about teenage boys. <laughs> Sounds about funny? right. You know, I mean, did you ever go through a phase like that? I uh, mean, Jen, I'm still impervious. Oh. I'm still indestructible. Okay, I got it. All right. So I have my wonderful, lovely son, Benjamin, who is 16. And oh, my goodness, I adore him. I don't know what I would do for entertainment if I didn't have him and Taylor in my life. So <laughs> yesterday... Uh, Benjamin comes home from school, walks into the kitchen. We're chatting as he's making himself an afternoon snack, which is eating me out of house and home. And I love every minute of it. And he looks on the counter and he sees some fresh produce from our friend Sarah's garden that she brought in and shared with us. Among the produce were these beautiful green peppers. Now, I don't mean like green peppers. I mean like jalapenos. Some garden fresh jalapenos. Garden fresh jalapeno peppers. And I was going to put them in a sauce of some kind. And my son goes, hey, are these peppers? And I said, yeah. And I was about to say, don't touch them. And he just popped a whole one in his mouth. Just oh, like that. And I'm like, Ben, he's like, an entire what? jalapeno. He's like, what? I'm fine. And I turned to open the refrigerator, and the next thing I heard was choking. <laughs> and I turned around, and my my six foot two, two hundred pound son is leaning over the counter. Yep. And I'm like Ben, Ben, and he looks at me, and oh my goodness, his face was red. He had tears running down his oh, face. Ben. The only thing that he could say to me was milk, <laughs> milk. <laughs> and I was like, oh. So I pour him a big glass of milk and he downs the milk. And then he's like, more. And I'm like, I'm out of milk. I'm out of milk. So I get some almond milk and I pour that in there. And I'm like, here, take this. And he's like, more, more. And I'm like, I'm looking for something sweet. And I grab a donut and I'm like, here, eat that. (laughs) That child, later on that evening, he texts me from the basement. And he's like, mom, I really don't feel well. I'm like, no, that's what happens when you eat a pepper. We're calling them spicy stories because it's that time where you met a spicy food that, I don't know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I went and ate Indian food, and I seen this dish, and I had no idea. I just pointed at the picture. <laughs> the lady brought it out. I took my first bite, and I stood up, and I'm holding my throat, and I'm gasping for air. And this little lady, she runs back to the kitchen. She comes back with hot water, and she's a drink, 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 drink. And I drank the hot water, and it took all the oils from all the hot food, and it put it down into my stomach, and it dispersed everything, and everything stopped burning. Whoa! Hot, hot water. water. I'd never heard of that. It's the first time I ever heard of it, and it took care of it just that quick. Obviously, this little lady has had experience with people <laughs> pointing at pictures and not knowing what they were getting into. Yeah, pretty much. It was hot. <laughs> yeah. Did you finish it? No, no. I was done with it. I didn't even take another bite. I was done. <laughs> it was too hot. I just paid for my meal. The wife and kids, they finished theirs. I just sat and watched. I was ready to go home. Didn't look particularly special. Oh, no. It was just this little burger joint in Mansfield, Texas called Hideout Burger. Hideout Burger. We went there for lunch after church one day and we're standing behind the counter looking up at the menu and I saw one that caught my eye. So I stepped up to the counter and I ordered the burger and the woman behind the counter didn't even say a word. She just turns around grabs something off of the counter behind her and slaps it on the the table in front of me. What was it? It was a waiver. (laughs) Oh, no! 
I was like, wait, what did I just order? And she's like, well, sir, the ghost pepper burger. Oh, Taylor. Is a challenge burger. And if you can finish it, we'll put your picture on the wall. And I figured at this. Seriously, really? At this point, I was in it. Like, you don't. Okay, Jen, I get presented with a waiver. I'm not going to say, well, I'm too scared now. I'm going to go for it. Oh, my goodness, you. Really? I was was in my early 20s, okay? I thought I was invincible. Yeah, that was like, what, five years ago? I know, I know. So? So I, I sign the waiver and I hand it back to her. And I say, so is this like really bad or are you just kind of, is this just kind of a stunt you guys do? And she looks at me and she goes, well, sir. We don't exactly make it for the taste. And? She was right. (laughs) Larry, do you have a spicy story? In one of my better parenting moments, I told my son, oh, yeah, you should totally eat that. (gasps) (laughs) What was it? Well, we were at a Chinese restaurant, and you know those long red peppers? Yeah. No. So when I look up from taking a bite of my own food, I saw that he didn't get the sarcasm. <laughs> and, then, and I was like, I would totally spit that out into a napkin and here, drink my milk. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So he knows why nature makes some things red now. <laughs> This has been the Taylor and Jen Podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at Life1071.com or on the Life1071 app.